0: As always, I'm joined by my wonderful two ho- co-hosts. Reese Keeble is here. Hello. hello. As is Miss Ruth Buchanan.
1: Producer Bruce.
0: How are you doing? You guys all right? All
1: right. Yeah, Rhys? Yeah, yeah, very good. Not bad. Very good,
0: good, thank you. Uh, We've got a lot to talk about this week. I'll start off by saying this. So if this is a bit of a longer episode than usual. We've got qualifying to talk about, which was... it mental. Uh, We've got the race to talk about. And of course, uh, we've got to mention the new seven-time world champion. Um, So this definitely might be one of our longer episodes, but it still should be um, a good one. That's for sure. You guys in for a a long episode today? It's going to be a
2: long one. Strap yourselves in.
0: Um, So let's start out where every good qualifying weekend, where every good race weekend starts at qualifying. Um, Qualifying that I think was probably... I'm going to say by far one of the best qualifyings we've seen so far this season. I think that's fair to say. Um, I think for once we've properly got something to talk about in qualifying. For the past few weeks, we always just go, what should we talk about for qualifying? Let's talk, talk about who got pole and, and sprinkle some bits in there. But this week, I think we've actually got something to talk about in qualifying. So first off, let's talk about the track because that was the main thing this weekend. I think it was the main talking point all weekend long. Um, it was only resurfaced about a week before the race, so it was very slippy and uh, mental. Uh, And then when you mix water into that equation, the water wasn't draining off it very well, Uh, a lot of drivers said it was just like ice. People were spinning off left, right, and centre, what did you guys think of this kind of bizarre and weird conditions we saw this week? Do you think it made it a bit more interesting? Do you think something should have been done to prevent that? What did you guys make of it?
2: It definitely made qualifying a lot more fun to watch. I mean, I'm a fan of qualifying. I prefer qualifying to the race. Like, it's always controversial when I say that. I just really love qualifying. It's just the thing of the shootouts and everything. I really like it. Yeah. Um, I, I did see a good quote from Daniel Kvyat, though, about the track, and he said that it was like when he was doing his winter rallying mm. um, on the break from F1. Um, he, he just said that he was as slippy as the ice uh, on that track. So the drivers were really struggling, and that's what made the qualifying so
0: much better. Mm. Um, Ruth see did you watch Qualify this week? Why don't, you, why don't you tell us what happened?
1: I was asleep.
0: You slept through Qualify, did you?
1: Um Yeah, so I've watched the highlights. Yeah. From what I can tell, it was good qualifying, but obviously the highlights only shows the best bits. The best bits,
0: not the... Well, did did the highlights show the two, three red flags I think we had in
1: qualifying? Yeah, they showed the three flags. I also um, watched a thing after about Sebastian Vettel, um, who was apparently angry that there was a crane left on the track after Latifi Mm. um, was off. Yeah, yeah, so they exactly. restarted
0: qualifying, the red flag came down, all the cars were back out on the track whilst the crane was still out there, um, which was a bit of a weird one, obviously that's similar conditions as to how we lost Joel Bianchi a few years ago, so I think the drivers were still a bit concerned about that being there. Um, yeah, we
2: we looked at each other at the time and we were like, well, yeah. uh, this isn't right. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, from
1: I what it, I read, Vettel was really like upset about the drivers it and were quite pissed like, about was it, angry yeah. that they didn't... Um, It off the track in time,
0: yeah. Um, I I think think it made made qualifying quite interesting. Not the crane, the track conditions. Um, I think it came out afterwards that the track, uh, Michael Massey, who's obviously the race director and things, came to the track three months ago to make sure it was ready for Formula One. And at the time, it was being used as a car park because of Covid. The track sponsor is a company called Intercity who are a Turkish car rental company. Turkey's fourth
2: biggest car rental company. There you go. Uh, And because of
0: lockdown, they couldn't rent any cars. So they were using the circuit as a bit of a massive car park for their cars. Michael Massey rocks up and goes, hang on, we need to host a Formula One race here. Um, And apparently the track was all broken, covered in debris and stuff and all the cars being parked there. So they had to resurface, they had to get all the cars out. And the resurfacing only finished about a week before F1 got there. Then Pirelli said they weren't told about the resurfacing until a week before they were meant to get there, so they couldn't prepare tyres quick enough for it. Big mess, but ultimately, I think it made just a great slip and slide.
2: Just a very entertaining mess. Also. And every, Yeah, exactly.
0: Everyone had a little bit of good fun. Um, it was a very long qualifying session. As we, as we mentioned, there was a lot of red flags um, with... The aforementioned Michael Massey deciding that conditions were, were too bad to continue in uh, and a little while into Q1 I think uh, we certainly me and Reece thought Ocon might end up on pole position because the red flags had been brought out Ocon had done the fastest lap and it was raining pretty heavily still at that point we were like this could be the end. Ocon could be on pole position. Yeah, well, here.
2: at that point, Ocon had fastest lap by about five seconds. Yeah. Like it wasn't like it was like oh, milliseconds in it, sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> five whole seconds got Ocon that fastest lap.
0: Eventually, though, it did get going again, uh, and it quickly became obvious which teams were able to, I think, turn the tyres on, get them up to temperature, and which teams were struggling. And I think as we moved into Q2, the Red Bull cars, specifically with Verstappen, I I just kept saying to her, how is he doing this? He kept going like two seconds faster than the pack. Every time someone set a faster lap time than him, he'd go and beat it again by about two seconds. And on those wet tyres, he was unbeatable. Um, and I think at the end of Q2, it came to Albon being in P2 and Verstappen in P1. And Albon... Hasn't necessarily been the greatest. I think it's better to say not the greatest qualifier for Red Bull this year. But he was up there with him. I think that is testament to that Red Bull car in those tough, slippery conditions. It seemed pretty pretty good. Um, And Red Bull were ahead going into Q3 as well. It looked really really good. Max looked like he was on for pole by a long way. Um, But the changing conditions just kept changing it didn't suit the Mercedes. I think that's fair to say. They struggled throughout qualifying no matter what. But the one car that did pick up wasn't the black Mercedes. It was the pink Mercedes of Racing Point. Uh, I said to you in Q2, I think, because Perez was doing some interesting laps. I said to him in Q2, Perez might be fighting Max for Pole here in Q3. And, well, it wasn't Perez fighting for for Pole. Hmm. It was his teammate, Stroll, did uh, an incredible job to manage to get that car onto pole position, Max Verstappen really lost out. It looked like it was his pole to get. He could only manage P2. He was on wet tyres. He was doing really well on the wet tyres. As soon as he switched onto those intermediate tyres, almost looked like it just kind of fell away. Really, really bizarre to see. Um, I, this is, I want to hear your opinion here, guys. Do you, I think there is reason to believe, at least I think, that if Max hadn't pitted for Inters and stayed on those wet tyres... He could, have, he could have still put it on pole. I think he could have outperformed the intermediate tyre. I think he was going to set a faster lap than Perez's intermediate lap and then they pulled him in off the wet tyre and he didn't go faster then. And I don't know, what do you guys think? Do you think Red Bull should have kept him on the wets and seen what he could do or do you think the intermediate tyre was the right decision?
1: Um. So, in Q2, his best lap on the wet tyres was a 150, and in Q3, on the Inters, his best lap was a 148. So, there is a a two-second improvement there. But I think hindsight is a great thing, and when you see someone who has much better data than you, who's performing better on tyres, it makes sense for the team to switch and to try and um, do as well as that driver is. Yeah. So... I mean, at the time, it probably seemed like the best option for them, so.
2: I think if you look at it, all the drivers who went, like Max got the best lap in uh, Q2, but all the drivers got faster in Q3 as well because of the track acclimatization. They finally had a racing line in there and stuff like that. Uh, Max, on his uh, wets, set purple purple, and then aborted the lap to come in and change printers. and Mm. in, in, in my personal opinion, wrong call, let him finish the lap. There was still time to bring him in after that lap, yeah. get him around quick, bring him in, show him money and send him out again, but, because there was still like six, seven minutes to go. And oh, because
0: okay. I mean, for all we know, that lap he was doing on wets might have been a 147. Exactly. It might yeah. have been an incredible lap. We never got to see how it finished. So like yeah, yeah. you say, track climatisation, I get your point. Yeah, he went two seconds faster on the Inters technically in Q3, but... The wets could have seen him go even faster in Q3 because of the acclimatisation. We, we won't know. It's, it, they brought him in too early, to be fair. I think he could have finished that lap and then Stroll could have gone faster still and we got gone, okay, good, cool to put him with the inches, But... It's weird that they didn't bring him in. Mm. Um, but ultimately, obviously, Max didn't end up on, on pole. And he was really disappointed by that result, actually. He, uh, there was a show afterwards sitting by a bin, by the bins, looking yeah. really down. Um, but like we say, incredibly, Lance went to get his maiden pole position in, in very good fashion um, with Max in second, Perez third, and Albon. I think actually had a very good qualifying in the end, finishing fourth. I think it matches his best qualifying for the season so far. Um, it was Mercedes though that really stood out in qualifying for me. Uh, they just didn't, they couldn't make it work. Bottas down in ninth, Hamilton in sixth. Um, I think Mercedes were very, I think very easily could have, and it looked like they were going to get every pole position this season. Up until this point, they have. This qualifying, they weren't there. They just didn't turn up, and obviously in the race that's the, end of the story. We'll get onto that in a minute. Uh, but what do you guys make of Mercedes not being there? Do you think that was just because? Their car wasn't set up for that, or what?
1: I feel like their car is definitely set to deal with the more common conditions mm. than the conditions that happened on the qualifying. So I think that definitely had an impact. And like we know, drivers like Verstappen and you know the others that are at the top definitely thrive on wet conditions. We've seen it in the past, and um, you know you just can't be good at every race. It's and good. it's the same for the car. The car just can't be good at everything.
2: Yeah, Crofty said something very interesting as well during qualifying, which I've just remembered now because you mentioned the staff being good in the wet. Um, Max's dad used to take him out in those types of conditions in the go-karts mm. to get him used to races like this. Yeah, And it paid off. You know what I mean? It got him, got him the second. Um, and it also just goes to show that both Lewis and Bottas are human. You know what I mean? They, mm. they couldn't handle the track and they ended up in sixth and ninth, respectively.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, I think it was interesting, but I think it set up what looked like was gonna be an incredible race. Two racing points on pole position, the Mercedes right at the back of the top 10, Red Bull's near the front, racing points at the front, Renaults were near the front as well. It looked like there was a good recipe for a great race there. Um, and I think the race was definitely mixed. I've seen some people saying it's the best race of the season. I've seen others saying it was boring and not great. Um, without giving too much away, because obviously we'll come on to the bigger talking points um, throughout the podcast what What did you guys just broadly think think of that race did you think it was a good race a boring race somewhere in between what do you think
2: Uh, i didn't think it was the best race of the year so far however it was definitely an entertaining race Mm. i found it very entertaining watching people climb through the pack very very like that's that's my cup of tea that's why i watched this ball
0: Mm -hmm. ruth what did you think
1: it was a good race but at the same time boring um yeah it's kind of hard to talk about it without yeah. touching on the like There's bigger in- points but okay. um i understand why like on a lot of f1 pages um after that race in particular um on one page on facebook a lot of people were saying that they didn't really want to watch the sport anymore because they just feel like the race just always ends the same yeah like no matter right well that's interesting points that let's come up
0: um, let's start with the first lap then, which is arguably, I think, the best place to start in a race. You don't want to start any late in the first lap. Um, and I think the, it was a very interesting start to the race because particularly the Red Bulls, after looking great in qualifying and practice, particularly Verstappen, I think, literally crawled off the line. He he struggled to get it going. He he just couldn't get the grip in the car and it put them on a tough point from the get-go it took him I think, from p2 to p6 like before the first corner that first corner though was where it all started to kind of change and go wrong for particularly Valtteri Bottas we said Red Bull had a, a tricky start getting to that first corner let's talk about Bottas because that was even worse he span in the first corner trying to get past Ocon who had also span I think getting hit from Ricardo and, and Hamilton on the other side it was absolute kind of going to that first corner um what did you guys think what went wrong a for the red bulls coming out there and d what went wrong for bottas
1: um so touching on the uh red bulls first mm-hmm. according to honda it's to do with the correlation between the rb16 and the power unit um so obviously there must be some kind of issue there it's very similar to what happened in Magello when um and just didn't seem to go anywhere. Right. Um, but, I mean, they've said they hoped to resolve it, but we've seen it happen so many times now, I think. Mm. Um, and then to go on to what you were saying about um, Valtteri Bottas. Um, so, in the opening lap, he was actually trying to avoid Aachen, I think, which is when he spun. Yeah. Um, and then he made contact with Aachen later at turn nine. Mm-hmm. So, both of them spun again. He had damage on his car, apparently, Um, and Mercedes said that it's difficult to drive due to an issue with the alignment of his steering wheel so he must have had oversteer or understeer or something like that but it's very strange to have damage to your steering wheel after spinning like that
0: Definitely, yeah, interesting Um, Reese, what did you think about that?
2: Um, It it was definitely a weird start So... I don't know about you, when I sat down to watch it, I was like, well, Max is going to get um, Stroll on the first first corner. Mm-hmm. And then that's going to be it. For Max to drop, I think Lewis gained up to sixth. So I think Max might have dropped to fifth. Um, but Lewis gained two places off the start. Max dropped to fifth, which then made that fight happen for a little bit, which was quite nice to see. Um, amazing start from Stroll. Like, an absolute cracking start from Stroll, but then that might have been overemphasized by the fact that Max wasn't moving. You know yeah. what I mean? It, yeah. it might have looked a lot faster than that. Um, and uh, to quote uh, Martin Brundle, uh, Valtteri Bottas was spinning for fun.
0: Yeah. So. I think he said at first with awkward, it was a sympathy spin. I that was it. it. That was a quote I was Yeah, sympathy <laughs> spin. Very good. And I mean, for Valtteri, I think we will just covered this now, it just kept getting worse for him throughout that race. I think in, in total, we had about six spins throughout the entire race. And I think it was one of the most crucial races... Um, of the season for him, it was the season. It was the race where he could stop Hamilton winning the title.
2: How poetic would it have been if he spun seven times? How poetic. <laughs> one for each that championship. Again? Yeah, one for each one that Hamilton's game <sighs> over. Him. I just
0: been. I felt really bad for Valtteri because it was. It's not going to help him mentally. That I don't think at all in his kind of mental race driver vision that like the race where he really needed to take it to Lewis, he just did the opposite <laughs> and took it to Lance uh, not to. Lance Stroll not at the back, he was at the front, to um, George, George or Russell or someone, Nicholas Latifi at TV the back, literally just not getting anywhere with that. I think it was really tough for him. On, on the other, other side, side of that coin, though, uh, I think someone that had an incredible start that we haven't really talked about t- just yet, but I think I don't think they even picked up on it too much during the actual first lap, but Sebastian Vettel managed to go in one lap from P11 to P3, um, got past the Red Bulls, obviously had a bad start, past everything that went on in the first corner, kept it clean, got past Hamilton as well, got up to P3 in the first lap, an absolutely mega start, just kind of cruised with the pack. Um, I think it's fair to say at this point that a lot of the cars that did really well in quali, your Red Bulls, maybe your racing points, I think mainly your Red Bulls, your Alphas, exactly, I think they struggled in the race with a lot of them Struggling from sort of the setups they had used the day before, that were designed to keep the heat in the tyres when it was wet, that in the kind of changing conditions of that race ended up actually kind of cooking the tyres and, and, and making them too hot. Um, and that I think that was where it seems like your McLarens, your Ferraris really capitalised on. And they didn't do too well in qualifying because they didn't have that setup right, but they had the setup right for the race. And I don't know if they did that on purpose. I don't know if they predicted what the weather would be like or if it just kind of came their way. But particularly the Ferraris, the McLaren also made some nice advancements. The Ferraris managed to cut through the pack and their tyres were like it was almost dry for a lot of the race. I think they did really well, managed to keep to, uh, temperature in the tyres and the grip. Reese, I'll come to you first. What did you think about that kind of advancement? How do you think the McLarens did to come through that?
2: It was it was nice to see, because after after Q2 yesterday, I was like, nah, don't with this weekend already. Like, yeah. it, it's gone. Um, but, and then, they, they both got, um, both Lando and Carlos got grid penalties. So, I think they started 17th and 15th, mm. or something like that, or like 18th and 16th, maybe. Mm-hmm. They were very low down. Um, and it was, it, I mean, Carlos, to go from, I mean, Lando had a good race, finishing, I think, 8th. I think he finished in the end. Yeah. Overtook... Um, Stroll at the end. But um, for signs to uh, to get through, and I think you finished fifth mm-hmm. or, or somewhere around there, fifth or sixth, mm-hmm. uh, cracking, cracking drive. But then, again, the exact same is said about the Ferrari boys. It, really, really well done. Take your hat off to them. They show why they are F1 drivers, essentially.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Ruth, what did you think?
1: Yeah, I have to agree. I think um, it was in the qualifying and the highlights. They showed that Vettel was really struggling. Um, and just I think they actually qualified something like 13th or was 14th and wasn't 13th. it? They, the they didn't make it 18th. out of
0: Q2 I know that. Yeah yeah, they and definitely didn't make it out it of Q2 was, but...
2: I think it was Carlos then Sebastian and then Charles or something because um, we um, the boost got Sebastian up, sorry yeah, for the yeah, grid yeah. penalties
1: Yeah um, and then obviously throughout the race he literally just came alive in the car mm-hmm. but I think it definitely shows that Vettel obviously does have a lot of experience and is very good at driving. Um, The same can be said for Sainz and Norris and um, Leclerc obviously all of them just had such great race and obviously Turkey was the place for them. Mm. Um, I was remembering this earlier because I didn't actually remember it when we were watching the race but um, I think it was in 2010 that Vettel actually um, was at Turkey wasn't he? And he went out because he had a puncture in his tire from hitting someone.
0: Hitting Webber, it was a big controversy at Red Bull. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of took each other out. Um, they told, well, Vettel was told that he was letting him pass. He didn't quite get past and contact. Him. And yeah, they ended up. Yeah, taking I, out. I
1: was remembering it um, earlier because I couldn't. At the time, I didn't remember which drivers were in the Red Bull. Mm. But then I remembered after that it was um, Vettel, obviously. It was just such a great race from him. Yeah. It's all you can well, say, really. Vettel was,
0: was the last race when I wasn't he was was the last Turkey. race winner in 2011. He won here. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, and I will just quickly say, the podium that we had this week were the only the three people that are on the podium were the only three drivers on the grid that raced last time at Turkey in 2011. That's right. a fun fact for you. Okay. Um, right, let's have a chat about arguably. I think the, there was a lot of spins in the race, but I think the biggest spin and the most important spin um, start. Uh, that happened. I won't say too much. The biggest spin that I think happened, and it starts with Racing Point, because, like we said, they had a phenomenal first couple... Phenomenal, easy for me to say, first couple laps, especially Lance Stroll, who managed to stretch out. Let's be honest, on those first few laps, a huge, very comfortable gap to the rest of the field. Um, Max Verstappen, however, was on a charge. He had a bad start, like we said, but after the first few laps, he managed to get himself back up to P3, and he was right on the back of Sergio Perez in P2. He, he worked very hard to get back to there. And I think at that point, it almost looked like he could keep going and get the win as the race would go. Um, but like we said, it's probably one of the biggest wins of the race. He was up behind Perez, following maybe a little bit too closely, it could be fair to say. Um, went through T11 and just... I don't even know quite what happened. I think the dirty air mixed with the slipperiness of the track... He just kind of was too close, a bit too ambitious, and just lost it, span out, and managed to keep it facing the right way, but then had to let traffic come through, got back on, went from P3 to P6 in one turn. And I think, to be honest, I think that was his story. I think that was Max's story of the day. He didn't really have another chance to challenge, really, after that. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think that was where he lost it? Do you think that he could have won it before that, potentially? What do you think, Ruth? we go you first.
1: I think at that point you could tell how frustrated he was getting mm. that it, he hadn't been over he hadn't been able to overtake Perez mm. before that um I don't know it seemed like he slipped on the curb when um I was watching it um he had a couple of like um little bits on that curb again later on in the race mm. but um yeah I don't know it, it just seemed like such a shame whether he would have gone on to win the race or not at least um, it would have been a bit more interesting had he been able to keep his position and you know been able to see the the fight between him and Perez play out. But yeah. like I said earlier, hindsight is That's a great thing. A good but... thing,
0: definitely. Reese,
2: I think it was just a case of Max. Max kind of lost his head, mm. if you will, because he he did that move too early. If he would have waited two or three more laps, that it could have been done a lot cleaner. Is what I'm saying. He could have even waited for a pit sort of thing get past him then you know a bit bit faster lap times um i think he just went a bit too early but obviously you're going to be frustrated when you feel like you can go faster than the car ahead and Mm. you know but uh yeah i think it was i'd argue that this one was max's race to lose and uh he did not like not not giving credit to stroll yeah but stroll had never started first he got to the grid a lot earlier so his tires were colder that that should have been Max's advantage and you didn't just
0: you didn't capitalize didn't on, it. on it definitely um I mean I mean I say that it could have been Max's race to win I think we both we, we all kind of agree on that um I think there was points of that race where you could also argue that there was about six different drivers that could have been the driver to win it was a very all-over-the-place race like say Stroll was there Perez was there Um, I'm trying to think who else it was Hamilton, Verstappen, I think Leclerc at one point, it was all over the spot Albon Albon, Albon as well, yeah sorry, Albon could have been up there Um, it was Lance Stroll though I think the most notable one of having a chance to to get there Um, he was looking very close at it he was leading that race for a very good portion of it until um, the team's certainly I think controversial decision to to pit him again, he would already pitted once for another set of inters, and the inters were getting a bit old. Um, and they made the decision to bring him in from the lead put on new tyres. That when he came out, he found himself in P six. Um, he even said, I think that he didn't want that second set of inters. I think on the on the team radio, he said, "Are we sure? Is this really what we want to do? Oh, we've got we've got a lead here. Is that really something we want to throw away?" Um, and his teammate, who Perez, who was who pitted around the same time for the first set of inters, didn't pit again, and he ended up second. Um, I want to hear your opinion on this. Do you think that Stroll kind of was a bit done over by his team? Do you think that he could have certainly seen a podium? Maybe I don't necessarily think the win, but I think certainly a podium if he had stuck out on those inters. The rest of Perez's didn't blow. Hamilton did it on those sides as well. They didn't blow. He might have struggled a little bit, but I feel like he still would have been further at the points. What, do you think the team kind of shot themselves in the foot there? What do you think, Reese? We'll, we'll, well, you mentioned you the
2: radio, it, like, the, the message to him was coming to the pits. He said, are you sure? Yeah. And then just like a, a little pause, and then it was, no, stay out, stay out, stay out, sort of thing, while he was coming around that second to last mm. corner. Um, I did find a quote about um, Stroll, though, uh, not yeah about lance uh however ruth has got it word for word wrote down so i'll, I'll throw it to her no
1: yeah so um by that point apparently he was already losing pace right. which is why the team decided to um pit him again mm-hmm. um it came out after um racing point actually treated during the team's post during the team's routine post-race car set down We discovered damage to the underside of Lance Stroll's front wing that was a significant contributor to the graining issues he experienced during his second and third stints on the intermediate tyres. One of the strikes on the underside of the front wing had come loose and lodged itself in such a way that the blockage caused a significant loss of front downforce. The resultant loss of front downforce contributed contributed to an increased levels of graining. It was only after the race when the car was returned to the garage that the damage and blockage on the underside of the front wing was discovered. So obviously he must have picked that issue up from somewhere. Yeah. I personally can't tell where he picked that up from in the race. I couldn't see anything that um, would have caused that to the car. But obviously the team could tell that something was wrong with the car and tried to do what was best. I Maybe reckon... it was the the not so great decision or the better decision but i guess it just it depends like perez said after yeah. the race i think he was having an interview he said that um had he have gone one more lap his tires would have blown yeah that there was no way that his car would have made it to the end i think
0: it's also easy for racing point to look at that in hindsight though and say we shouldn't have pit him but we need a reason why we did yeah um,
2: I- I was gonna say I reckon that it's all well and good. Like I was gonna say that, but not yeah. in that many words. Um, good quote, good finding. Sorry, producer. <laughs> um, essentially, um, they were probably right to pit him because he had that thing with the car. Yeah. However, tell your driver that on the radio. Communicate it. Yeah, yeah. Because if I was strolling that situation, you know, sitting driving around as you do, doing circles and stuff, mm. um, I'd be very miffed in my own ability. If I came from first all the way down to you finished like eighth or ninth. Mm. So at uh, ninth I think it was. But I'd be very I'd, I'd be really annoyed with myself, beating myself up. While I'm seeing these cars fly past me, let your driver know that. Just be like, look, we I am really sorry, we do have an issue with the car. You're gonna have to pit a few times more than your teammate. Yeah. Um we this won't happen again, I'm sorry, sort of thing. Yeah. I
1: feel like maybe the um like reason why they don't do that. Um is because if the driver knows that there's an issue with the car maybe it's more up-putting for them when they're trying to compete with the other drivers to have that in the back of their mind and constantly be thinking i've got this issue what can i do to stop it mm. then trying to perform as best as they can with the car they have at that time yeah. maybe okay, um, I, I do lost. agree that it would be nice to know that but at the same time i can see why maybe they yeah. wait until the end i'm to, just to saying to the I, driver.
2: I personally would have said because I wouldn't want the driver's confidence being
1: knocked. You I feel like I mean? maybe as well, because the other like, teams can hear the radios, can't they? Yeah, but, yeah The it other teams seen... may then d- decide to try and push as much as they possibly can against I, that driver and it would play out even worse. I, I
0: think that definitely is a strategy a lot of race mechanics and things use where if there is a problem with the car, if they've got a penalty or something, they will say, well, they've got a penalty, but they won't say, what for? Um, similar with not sometimes if there's an issue, I think there's a lot of mechanics will say, not even say there is an issue. They just want to keep, unless the driver brings it up, they won't mention it because they want the driver to focus on the race. They don't want to have something in the back of their mind that's, oh, I've got an issue that's going to really affect me, sort of thing. They want them to focus on the race um, and know what's doing. I've definitely heard that, that be done before. Yeah. I'd
2: argue that the issue with this though was that Straw was too busy doubting himself mm-hmm. near the end of the race because he shouldn't have lost that place to Lando right at the end. I, I'd argue that he could have battled for that. But he was just like oh it's gone sort of thing you know what i mean
1: yeah i I feel like um as well one thing i always think about like just to bring this up as a little bit of a a side note to what we were just talking about is i feel like i i personally always forget how fast the drivers are actually going yeah and i feel like that's another reason why they try as hard as they can not to distract the driver in any way whether that be like a penalty or Mm. um anything like that so
0: yeah well, I think it's all fair enough. And obviously for Lance, and I think everyone felt for him, it was a really disappointing day for him when it could have been something so incredible. It it didn't turn out and it did fall away from him. Um, as you said, eventually finishing P9, only coming away with two points, where in a day where he should have at least had probably 10 plus points yeah. kind of thing. Um, but I think the team that capitalised most on, on Lance's mistake and a lot of other mistakes, as we've already mentioned in the race, Uh, in the podcast even was was that Ferrari car and I want to talk about Ferrari a little bit more Um, they found some really good performance in that race and on the last lap I think it was one of the most kind of part of the one of the most exciting parts of the race certainly for me was that last lap kind of push from Leclerc to get P2 from Perez it was Perez Leclerc and Vettel in that order fighting for sort of the last two places on the podium second um, and third Perez in second already, had a massive lunge made at him from Leclerc to try and take that second place on the penultimate corner. Leclerc locks up a little bit too much, goes wide and accidentally lets not only Perez back through, but Vettel as well, putting him down to P4. Um, uh, And he was gutted, wasn't he? He said, I think on the radio he went, I am effing stupid. He was not. He was giving himself a really hard time about it. And I don't know if that's necessarily fair for him to get... Obviously, he could have had a podium and that would have been great for him. But at the same time, he still got P4, which for Ferrari this season is a really good finish. It was their highest points total of the finish of the, of the season, I should say, P3 and P4. Um, it was, ironically, the race that Mattia Bonotto... Didn't attend. He was still back uh, in uh, Marinello. He decided he didn't want to come to this race. He wanted to focus on next year's car, and they did better. I don't know if that's something about Mattia. I'm not going to put any uh, anything on that. But on Leclerc, do you feel like he's being a bit hard on himself, saying he's stupid and all this kind of stuff? He was really hard on himself. He had a great race, and he went for the lunge that didn't work out. If it had worked out, he'd have been P2. And potentially said, by I've got the path Paris as well and been P3. Unfortunately, that's not how it happened. He ended at P4. But it, you, you have to go for these lunges if it's there for you. What, what do you think? Should he have been so hard on himself or or, or not, Ruth? What, what do you think?
1: I think it's similar to what Max did in the fact that it's that frustration and that drive to want to get that position to... You know you've got the speed. You know you've got the car to do it. Mm. It's just... You know maybe they don't go about it in the best way i feel like he's definitely being very harsh on himself but at the same time you know it is a bit of a silly mistake to make yes but granted it is if i was that driver and i had an opportunity to take a lunge go from p3 to p2 then i would take it and i feel like that's exactly what happened with not only leclerc but also verstappen so
2: mm. yeah Sorry, that was, uh, Yeah, he had the opportunity. However, I think Sebastian Vettel showed why he is the more experienced driver. Because he waited. Because he could see something like that going to happen. A little bit of a tussle, and then he just snuck right in there. Um, I think that Leclerc was right to take his opportunity. Completely and utterly right. Like like Ruth just said, like uh, Max Verstappen was. You know, you get frustrated as an F1 driver. That was the last lap. He saw that as his only opportunity. When mm-hmm. realistically, I think Perez went wide on the last corner as well, so that could have been his opportunity. However, you know, racing's
0: racing. Definitely, and yeah, I think like you touched on there, I think we saw a, a version of Sebastian Vettel in this race today that we haven't seen ever. Not I ever. I think uh, for a long time, maybe, maybe you've never seen. seen. You I thought. I think. We've, I think we've always seasons.
2: seen the young. Vettel like mm. like the, the winner Vettel and then since he's been to Ferrari I don't think we've seen this side of Vettel the cool mature type type head driver the uh, Kimi Kimi-esque sort of thing
0: yeah I'd have I'd to, to disagree I think certainly this season and I say since Germany 2018 when he lost that to Hamilton that was his major major knock um, since then he, we haven't seen this from him Uh, prior to that I think Seb was and a lot of people agree an incredible driver but I think losing that fifth world championship to Lewis and Lewis going on to get seven I almost think him going into this race knowing that Lewis isn't his rival anymore Lewis is above him now um, I think that's kind of changed his mindset I really do I think Sebastian is looking at this in a new way now I think Ferrari has been a challenge for him I think Lewis has always been someone he's always been jealous of because he's been this incredible driver that when it smashed his four-time record after he's at it, then there was the 2018 season where they labelled it as the Fight 4-5, where Vettel and Hamilton in the Ferrari and the Mercedes, the two big cars, were going to be fighting it out for that fifth world championship. And Vettel had a really good go at it. And then at his home Grand Prix in Germany, put it in the wall from P1, let it go from there and he has not been the same driver since then going into this race he knew hamilton wasn't with him anymore he's with schumacher now hamilton he's tied with schumacher he's not on vettel's level anymore i think vettel knows that now vettel went to him at the end of the race we saw him didn't we he went over to his car held his hand you saw and he said to him um in the the process someone said what did you say to him it's something along the lines of um you're making history you're doing incredible stuff here i think vettel's now realizing that yeah, he's a good driver, but look this Lewis Hamilton, he's his hero. He's, he's like Michael Schumacher. He is the next big thing in Formula 1. And I think that's what he needed to know to move on, to come back to how he was. And I honestly I am mean, very excited to see him at Aston Martin. I might be at my words next week. He might go to Bahrain and he might be awful, might be spinning on every corner. But I really do think that this could be a kind of turning point, a kind of catalyst for Sebastian Vettel to really move forwards or almost, almost backwards, backwards into how he was sort so of thing is almost, almost shifting gear if you know what i mean this
2: this was the race for him that made the aston martin directors who don't know f1 go all right that's why we signed him yeah you know what i mean this yeah. this was that for him so yeah i have definitely.
1: to say i partially agree but disagree at the same time i think um vettel obviously has so much experience and i agree that he definitely knows that He can't compete with Hamilton in the same way that he has in the past. It hasn't worked. Mm. He's realized that and he's moving forward. But I have to say, as one of the older drivers on the track, I feel like he's very good at picking and choosing his battles. And this is something I've noticed a lot with um, Kimi Raikkonen as well. And um, even Bottas does it too. It's that waiting for someone else to... To make a mistake, and I feel like that's why he doesn't necessarily have as many world championships. <laughs> world championships, and um, you know, it is classed as not as good as Hamilton. And mm. I feel like that's the reason why newer drivers like Leclerc and Verstappen and things are becoming big names in the sport as quickly as they are because they're willing to take the risks, and mm. you know, they're willing to say. I can either go for the reward or take the consequence. Yeah. And that's fine.
0: Yeah.
2: It's essentially old school versus new school. But then at the point of Vettel's career, Vettel was new school. Mm-hmm. Like when he first started off, he was the new school and he was, he was four world championships he was, practically in a row. So yeah, that's him. what I he agree. was. He was the young gun yeah. young on the block. I, kind yeah, yeah, of yeah. Thing. yeah. He, he, he was the new school. And now he's having to transition into the Kimi Raikkonen and yeah. being the old school.
1: I feel like that's another reason as well why um, Lewis Hamilton obviously has seven world titles is because he's he's much better at adapting to a new style of the sport than drivers who in the past like Vettel have you know four world championships and Kimi Räikkönen who have been driving for so long it's that ability to change and to see younger drivers coming in changing the sport doing new things trying new things and changing with them Mm. I guess is the only way I would put it
2: I think I think this is going to be the rocket in Vettel's shoes, and he is now going to try and learn everything he can about this new style of F1. Mm. Um, I reckon he's going to try and learn everything he can from Leclerc, from from his peers around him, and then take that to Austin Martin and do a job there. Well,
0: it was interesting. I don't know if you've seen Ted's notebook this week. Obviously, it's where all my ideas come from. Um, I'm keeping
2: it for tonight, so no spoilers. Please. Well,
0: it's, I'm going to give you a slight spoiler now. Um, Ted talks about it when he talks about kind of Ferrari in it obviously he goes to all the teams he talks about Ferrari and he says that uh, Vettel had that podium and what the kind of relationship at Ferrari what he witnessed afterwards was all the mechanics went to Leclerc to kind of um, say commiserate. Like, commiserate, commiserate him very few went to Vettel to congratulate him and he said I think that really kind of sums up everything about that relationship at, at Ferrari everything right now Ferrari everything Ferrari wrong with, with, Ferrari Ferrari, with that yeah. is that Ferrari had let go of Vettel and he, he said it is a divorce and he said if this is a divorce in real life the papers are already through the courts they're just stuck together they're waiting to get apart they, they're, they're sleeping in separate bedrooms kind of thing mm-hmm. um, Seb isn't happy there
2: they're waiting for, for the sale of a house waiting for the sale of a house
0: Ferrari don't want him he's not happy there he wants to go to Aston Martin and especially after this weekend he wants to get in that racing point it's a very very weird. Kind it's, of it's like we dynamic talked about there at the moment. It's like
2: we talked about before on the podcast where we were like, "Why don't they just cut ties now?" So yeah. I think was, like like when Vettel was down in like fifteenth, you yeah. know what I mean? When we were like, "They should have just cut ties." Yeah. yeah, over and done with.
1: I feel like um, just to touch on this really quickly, that's a similar thing to what I always notice happens with Bottas. Mm. He's always second, but he hardly ever is congratulated as much as Lewis Hamilton is, and I feel like yeah. He, you know this race in particular he had such an awful race and i barely saw anyone going i'm sure commiserate it with him
0: would have been very hard for him especially seeing hamilton being kind of lifted up and Be enjoyed down as down down he down is down exactly. and he's here like i have the same car as that guy yeah. i, I feel like here. that's
1: such a big thing in the like sport at the moment is the teams always being split into two never being an actual team yeah. and i feel like that's why um places like mclaren they win together or they lose together. Yeah. They don't have one driver who wins and one driver who's done awful, so that driver gets forgotten about that week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's why McLaren is such a consistent think... team and McLaren, in this race in particular, did so well. Yeah. Because it's never that leaving a driver high and dry yeah. because they didn't perform as well. And I feel like that's, like, with more of the front running teams, I guess I would say. It's Even though McLaren are so a front running team. Um that's why some of them just have such a toxic environment yeah. and why situations like Vettel and Ferrari come up. Yeah.
2: yeah it's it's yeah, like definitely. the first the first thing to happen if like let's say Lando's podium at the first race of the season. First thing to happen was Carlos got out of his car, ran to him and gave him a massive hug. Yeah, so yeah. I think you yeah. do not see that with like like let's say Alex got the podium, you probably see like a little like well done mate, not yeah. shake of the hand. But that's it. You know what I mean? I like I, the reason why I do support McLaren is because of the relationship there. Mm. And if I didn't support McLaren, I'd be supporting Renault because they've got the same
0: relationship. Yeah, definitely. And I think it is a very, very unique relationship in that sense. Uh with Renault, we'll see how that happens next year well, with yeah, Fernando true. Alonso in the team. But I agree, and McLaren, like you say, I mean, a year ago today, that that Brazil podium that Carlos got, mm. it was they it was obviously an after-the-race podium that he got after it. After the
2: race, they asked him to turn the lights back on yeah. for the podium. And they so got they Lando and everyone Lando, up there with everyone him. everyone was there up on the podium with him while he was being lifted in the it air. Was
0: yeah, I think even Carlos would agree it wasn't his podium. It was the everyone. team's podium. Yeah, yeah. I, and feel like, so
1: unique. I feel like if all of the teams had that sort of relationship as well, the sport wouldn't be as toxic, I guess, as mm. it is at the moment. Yeah. Um,
2: Luce's yeah. classic line after he's won a race is, "I'd like to thank all the team back in." You, you know, it's his. It's his. Cl- oh, thank the team. Yeah. Lando's like, "Thank you so much to yeah, everyone who's yeah, worked yeah. on this." game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can, t- it's the the emotion shift and stuff. But yeah. then again, if Lando starts winning a race every week, then we'll probably see that shift a little bit.
1: I mm. feel like, um, like especially with Lando and Carlos, I, I've seen so many things, like just like I don't know, on Instagram and Facebook and things. Of them just constantly like trying to do as much as they can as a team yeah. and to, like, grow together rather than one driver growing in a better way than the other. Yeah. Um. If, if I really... think a picture that, like, definitely, like, showed that was when Norris was helping take apart his own car. Yeah. Like, that just shows definitely his sportsmanship and things like that.
2: If you really want to see a good video of Carlos and Lando being... Best friends because that's what they are, the other modern teammates are okay. literally best friends. Yeah. Um. Uh. Oh, I can't remember who did it now, but it's the Sky Sports presenter that I, I don't really like. What's it called? Quite small. Um. Uh, quite do you small. know his name? Oh, quite small. Uh... Really annoying. <laughs> oh, Johnny remember. Herbert. Johnny Herbert. Chris. Johnny Herbert went in. Um. Sorry, Johnny. Um, <laughs> uh, he, he went in a car with them and they did a milk challenge Oh yeah. Yeah. and I absolutely it is, love that. I've seen it that is I the funniest F1 video I think I've ever watched if it's you haven't great. seen it at home, search it up Sky Sports F1 milk challenge or something like that, it, it was very good mm-hmm. so, uh,
0: uh, before we get on to the final topic of this episode uh, I've got some news for you guys a little surprise for you both.
2: Is it the upload schedule is changing? Because uh, we already know that.
0: That is, you know, this is for this podcast. Uh, the camera stops about half an hour ago. Did it? Um, so people watch this at home. I don't know, I'm i looking at the camera saying this I've just been watching it's kind of frozen for last half an hour right. so I hope we'll the put, visual um, listeners are experienced an audio well, version for for. for are once. we just
2: going to put one of those um, audio symbols yeah, 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 in, yeah. in the three lines I'll just put
0: a go to Spotify kind of yeah. thing <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, it cuts off at like 38 minutes it's yeah. like yeah go, go to Spotify lads
0: um, but, but yeah I don't know why it's happened we have technical difficulties That's well I'll tell you what we'll, we'll, we'll so. pause for
2: a photo after this and then we can just put the photo up
0: Yeah, and
2: uh, you can just pretend like, if you want, you yeah. know,
0: Mr. Editor, mm-hmm.
2: uh, make our lips move when we talk. <laughs> oh, I've not, I've not
0: got enough time for that, I'm afraid. No, that won't be happening. Um, but yes, um, we will get on to the, the final topic then of this podcast. Um, how are we doing for time? Actually, let me check that. Okay, we're we're not doing as bad as I thought we'd be for time, so we might be able to put. Is that staying in this. because
2: you presented that? Is is that bit staying in about time? Oh yeah, the time? oh yeah, that's that's right. actually okay. happening. we yeah. start working. Uh, we don't care about production quality anymore. <laughs> that's it. Uh, quick, fire, uh, quick fire opinions, anyone? Uh, so yeah, this
0: this this leaves us now with obviously the the big point of the race, and I think what. What well, most podcasts about this race will probably be choosing as their main topic. We're trying to lose to leave, leave to last. We um, want you
2: guys to choose us because we didn't put this in our headlines. Exactly. <laughs> we 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 didn't we didn't have this. We want you to pretend like we, we didn't even talk to about bottom. this.
0: Um, the race winner, obviously, of this race was a Mr. Lewis Hamilton, who managed to do it once again. Um, I think we've made it fairly clear on this podcast in the past that. Um, None of us has a poster of Lewis Hamilton up on our walls. I've got a sticker.
2: He's got a sticker. A trading oh, we went to do that. It's <laughs> a golden next one.
0: Week, next week, we've got a big old. We, thing we for spent
2: you. £15 pounds each on turbo attacks, on, which yeah. are, yeah. if you don't know, the match attacks <laughs> for uh, F1. Yeah. And uh, some of us came out better
0: than others. Some of us did. Just saying. Yeah. Um, Reese. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, but I didn't <laughs>
1: have the technique. I didn't go through the box. No. I feel uh, like that was it.
2: It, school by era literally Dumpster eight dive. year old Reese coming home from school digging <laughs> right through the estate, uh, the estate agent is like do you want a house and the new agent <laughs> the estate agent's offering me a house the news agent's been like what are you doing with your grubby little fingers digging through your match attack box yeah. you gotta just dig and that's how you get I've lucky you gotta dig that's how, that's how it works We'll review them next week don't worry
0: but of course um, Lewis Hamilton seven world titles we spoke about it in the um, that'll be a little bit actually but um I mean, it's an incredible feat. It's, it's, I think we, I think should be kind of impressed that we're getting to witness this because this is history mm-hmm. being made. I think it's fair to say he is, as much as you might have differing opinions against him, one of, if not the greatest driver this sport has ever seen. He can just do things with the car that I think not, no one even thinks about being able to do, i.e. turning intermediates into slicks to get him to the end of the race. Somehow he managed guys. that that which was, that was which nice. was very impressive sorry <laughs> Reece. Um, i
2: um we said that to you before the podcast uh, I, I, I
0: yeah i don't you know I don't think it's up for debate. He is one of the best of all time, and you know there is obviously a debate for that i don't I'm saying it's not up for debate because we're not debating it now we've not got enough time um but very quickly, then, what do you guys make of this seventh world title? first of all what do you
2: think I'm not glad it's up for debate because me and Ruth are actually having a laugh <laughs> you know what I mean Fallout. Um, no you, you're right we're seeing history we will be telling when we're, when we're watching racing at 80 yeah. and our little grandchildren are in at like 10 years old and they're like oh my god so and so so good and we're like he's not as good as Lewis Hamilton because I remember when I was watching F1 and he won it Eight uh, seven times in a row. Could eight be eight, times eight. Next year, yeah. could be
0: nine. But, <laughs> could be ten. Yeah, but like we, we watched
2: this dominant period for Lewis Hamilton, and yeah. I, I I will argue that we will probably never see it like this again. Mm. Um, once Hamilton goes, I don't think that there's another driver on this planet that is as good as Lewis Hamilton. I think you can put any driver from the grid in that car, and they'll be trading first places with Bottas.
0: Well, would you have said that with Michael Schumacher if we were recording this in 2004 when he won his seventh 4 title? Uh,
2: next, exactly. Next question. You know exactly. Yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah, I would have said we're not going to see it like this again. Yeah. Uh, lightning doesn't strike twice, but it clearly has, and it's, struck, years it's later, here towards we are. Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. I don't think it'll be a long time before we see it again. I, that's why. That's why I truly think when Hamilton retires, when he's like, I'm done, mm-hmm. he'll get. He'll be Sir Lewis Hamilton. But I only think that'll happen when he retires. Yeah. Because of all these, you know, snowflakes and I'm spot when get a grip. Um, but yeah, Sir Lewis Hamilton and we'll be telling our grandkids that we've watched it live.
0: We'll do a reunion in 16 years. the rearview podcast reunion. 16 years, 32 years from when Michael Schumacher won his seventh. 16 years from when Lewis Hamilton won his seventh. Who knows, maybe... Lando
2: Norris Z- is on. Z- Ziggity, Norris. Ziggity,
0: Ziggity, Ziggity Zadoo. That's what he's going to be called. We'll win I
2: tried to think of a name when I was doing it, and yeah. I,
0: I just, my mind was like. Well, I went for Ziggity Zidou. So there you go. Ziggity A bit like Zenadin Zidane, but a racing driver. Ruth, a French. <laughs> so what did you think?
1: I think it's fair to say Lewis Hamilton is definitely an amazing driver. Mm. And he has seven world titles. Obviously, he's a credit to the sport controversial opinion, maybe, but I definitely feel that uh, agreeing on a point with Reese, we won't see this happen again and that's because nobody will ever have the dominance of money that Mercedes have to be able to produce a car as well as they can at the moment. Do I think Lewis Hamilton would not be outdriven by any of the other drivers? No, I disagree with that point. However, um you know he has seven world titles I commend him it's it's a good achievement but
0: it's, it's definitely impressive and obviously you're alluding there to the point that the yeah. argument that he's always had the best money best car but I, d- I do
1: agree with that point <laughs> I've had um, said we weren't debating this.
0: it's not up for debate um, I agree there's probably 101 things you could say about Lewis it could go on for for hours and I mean there's probably a huge chunk of stuff we've missed out, missed out of this race as well that we haven't been able to talk about but um, I think so much has happened this week in particular in Formula 1 that um, this would be a five hour special if we decided to go over it all and, and, and frankly I doubt anyone would, would want to list, listen to gets that if this
2: one like we'll do a five hour special on Lewis Hamilton's <laughs> career you're going to like
0: it aren't you <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah let's um, go
2: deep
0: yeah I don't think anyone would want to listen to it so I, you can do it just you on your own that sound yeah alright yeah, so, we- um, so with all that said and done Turkey out the way we've got the final doubleheader of the season coming up in two weeks' time. Um, we're off to Bahrain. We're off mm-hmm. to Bahrain for the last doubleheader Ooh, of the season in yeah, what has been a, crazy, been a season. crazy season. We've had a doubleheader in Austria, Silverstone, and we're coming to Bahrain last. Um, there's we a quick announcement
2: before we do this. Uh-huh. This will be the last podcast of the year on this show. Yeah,
0: and the third podcast of the year on this yeah, the,
2: the third and the last of the year, and then when it starts again next year, we'll do... Like, like if you've been a long-time long time mm. fan, first-time caller. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've been a long-time fan of the podcast, uh, you'll, you'll have saw the the kind of stuff that we all got up to last year when we were drawing designs of cars and stuff. yeah um, So we, we will be doing that again this year because we need something to do. Season two. Yeah, season two of the rear view. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, this will be the last one like this. It'll go back to me dropping out with internet every... 30 seconds uh however it's only for two races so bear with
0: me top quality content yeah. um perfect yes so uh well, like you say this is probably the last in-person episode of the series but who knows we might all have coving enough to save another two weeks um cheers <laughs> uh, hopefully not hopefully Yes, Bahrain next. Obviously, Bahrain, we will have to watch a part, but um, it's going to be interesting. First race is on the normal track, second race is going to be on the outside track, which will be really interesting. Oh, well, hold on, um, hold on.
2: I didn't get the memo. There's two
0: races. Two races in Bahrain, yeah. What? Then let's have a double right, No, I actually didn't get the memo. I'm not, like, playing dummy here. We, we reported this about four episodes we, we ago. We
2: probably did, but were not listening. So what's happening? Does it, when,
0: right, remember how at the start it, of the season? Break it
2: down for me yeah. and the rest of the listeners, please. Because they don't know. They also uh, don't know.
0: Remember at the start of the season, when we went to Austria, yeah. and we did two there?
2: Oh, do you mean back-to-back weekends? Back-to-back weekends. Back weekends. Right, I, so you know what I was picturing? <laughs> they go out for quali on, sat- uh, on Saturday, race on Saturday, <laughs> quali on Sunday, race on Sunday. I was no.
0: really excited. No, just, just back-to-back right, weekends. Back-to-back weekends. Yeah. So let's just start having back-to-back weekends then. No, it's called a double-headed. Let's not, let's All not com- anyway, confuse um, it's our last double race weekend. Double race weekend. <laughs> double oh, race double weekend. Reese weekend. <laughs> our last double race weekend of the season. Let's see your predictions for the first race. First race. What do you reckon, Quali and race top three in Bahrain?
2: Uh, what was it last year? Did you, does anyone know what it was last yep. year? So was last, for year.
1: It. last year, it was Vettel Bottas. No, that's 2018. Last year was Hamilton, Bottas, Leclerc. Mm-hmm.
2: Race lived in 2019. We to warn her about COVID and everything. <laughs> D- yeah.
1: 2018 was Vettel, Bottas, Hamilton. And 2017 was also Vettel, Hamilton, Bottas.
2: I reckon Bottas is going to finish first. I don't really know about qualifying after this week. It could be anyone. Um, but for the race, I reckon Bottas is going to be first. Then Hamilton in third. Third with uh, Max Verstappen splitting them.
0: Interesting, interesting. Uh, race,
2: sorry, give you your race. Good. That was the race. Oh right. Uh, qualifying, same again. Same I again. guess.
0: Ruth.
1: Um, qualifying. I'm going to say Hamilton, Bottas, Verstappen. As much as it pains me, again. Um,
2: Could we just do like a, like a little thing where the video pauses, which, yeah. is, which it has, yeah, yeah. but where it pauses and we just go, Hamilton, Bottas, happened, Hamilton, Bottas, Verstappen. See you next week. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because that's all these predictions are. Well, not normally for me.
0: To be fair, every time she predicts the
2: boring qualifying, it's an it's, exciting it's qualifying. It's good, yeah. just saying. Can you, saying. Can you yeah. say that Hamilton's just going to lap every lap?
1: I, it actually makes me very sad because I remember in... Um, I think it was 2018 when Nico Hülkenberg was driving at Bahrain and he had a very good race and had P6. Not to be that person again, but Hülkenberg, please come back. Hülkenberg.
2: Oh, I've got a good good start after you've done it. (laughs) I,
1: I think Vettel will do very well in the actual race, though. So I'm going to say Hamilton, Vettel, Leclerc.
2: See, that's interesting because I wasn't in an narrow and I'm putting Vettel on my podium.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't put him third. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I feel like Bottas might not have a very good race again. Just, just Tom, a feeling.
0: Tom, what's your prediction for the race? Well, my prediction for the race no um, is going to be, I reckon, for qualifying, I'll start with. Um, good place to start. Is, yeah, uh, I think we're going to see Lewis Hamilton and Paul. I think mm-hmm. we're going to see Max Verstappen in second place. And I think we're going to see... I You're doing it, it like you want a drum roll.
1: Um, yeah, it is. No, right, come on. Uh, I it's think we're going, going to see... Hamilton Bottas for a second. Lance Stroll Hamilton,
0: in third.
2: you think we're going to get Lance in third? I
0: think Lance... He likes qualifying now, Lance. I <laughs> think no, he's going right, to keep coming. Okay. After uh, one good he session. Didn't he, like didn't he didn't know it existed before that one. Like he was it like, what? I can
2: get a pole position in. I get a tyre.
0: Um, he got a little tired, did didn't he? Yeah, for Forget the race. For the race. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. Um, for, the, for the race, for the race, I think it's going to be uh, Hamilton-Bottas, which should happen. Do
2: you want to know my interesting fact now? Go on. 12 oh, out of the 21 go. drivers to race a race this season have been on the podium. Dracking 12 up. out of 21 over half and Nico Hulkenberg is not one of them. Because he's, well, yeah. It's true. He,
1: he's he the, isn't racing. He's
0: one of the 21, no, he's though. he's one of the 21 that races. He's raced a couple of races. Um... Not right. have the
1: opportunity.
0: I think we've done that brilliantly, guys, to be just over an hour and 30 seconds. So congratulations. Um, let's Good wrap job. it up. Um, thank you very much. I pointed at you the camera again. You can't see me. Um, thank you very much. Why don't
2: you point at the camera when you do your edit? When we take the photo now, just point to the camera. Oh,
0: what? Well, we can just edit it in. Let's no. make. Let's Is take it? five no, photos no, 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 and I'll not. just go between them to make it look like, like it's a little Yeah.
1: I feel like now that the camera's off, it's just all gone to sh-
0: yeah. Whoa. Whoa. You'll have to beep Whoa. that Whoa.
2: word No, no, no. You'll have to beep
1: that how. word. But it definitely told, has. I got told by
2: the producers of this podcast that I wasn't allowed to swear anymore, and what? I haven't. Jeez. <laughs> I think that's Ruth's first swear leave. in I'd F1 argue, review history. I would argue that it hasn't gone to bleep. Uh, Thanks, I, would, I would argue that it's, it's been more relaxed now that we know that we're not moving forward. I've
0: been picking my nose the whole time. Yeah, I've just chilled out, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking bogies. Uh, right. Wow. Well, thank <laughs> you very much for listening. Uh, and until next time. Thank I've you very Tom. much for
1: this thing. Can you listening? Just... <laughs> you thank said you for this thing. thing. See you later. Bye. I've right. been Tom. No, do it again. I've do been it Ruth again. Thank you very much
0: for listening. I've been Tom.
1: I've been producer Ruth.
2: And I've been producer Ruth.
0: And I've been producer Reese. See you next time. Bye. I'm waving at
1: camera It's not even up.
0: <laughs> God damn
1: it! <laughs>